Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. We have a few updates we need to go over, uh, starting off with we have a couple of emails that I need to read, everybody. Uh, Our first email comes from our friend of the show, Catherine. (laughs) She says, hi, favorite show friends. Thanks again for another fun episode. I promise this email won't be as long as my last one. (laughs) Fair. It was a good email, Catherine. So I will, but I will, I will carry on. This one is not as long. Uh, She says, I have to wave the flag for my favorite hard rock metal singers. My all-time favorite male vocalist is Sebastian Bach. He's the original lead singer for the band Skid Row. I could listen to him sing the telephone book. He has such a range and I love the tone of his voice. Other favorite hard rock singers of mine all have amazing vocal ranges, uh, almost operatic in terms of the range of notes they can hit, their ability to sustain notes. Ronnie James Dio from Rainbow, Black Sabbath, and Dio. Robert Halford from Judas Priest and Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. And I have to give a special shout out to Mickey Dolans of the Monkees. The Monkees put out their first album in 1966, and he is still touring and sounding just as good now as he did back then. Wow. Can't wait for the next topic, Catherine. That is impressive to uh, to hear. Uh, we went and saw Paul McCartney once upon a time, me and, and Sean and, and Nolan. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, that was, had to have been, what, at least 20 years ago or something? It was a, it was a while ago. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, a maybe minute, 15. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's been a long, at least a decade. And, uh, I was so impressed listening to Paul McCartney sing, you know, 10 years ago, which was a long time from when the original, uh, you know, Beatles touring was happening. And, uh, he was great. So it's always impressive when, when people can keep belting them out even as they get older and older. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the next email we have is from our friend Tom in Florida. It says, hey, guys, always seem to be an episode or two behind. Glad you all are doing well and back on the air together. We're glad that you're still with us, Tom. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's like our, our permanent Good goal to hear from to you. keep Tom with us. <laughs> uh, he says, the last two shows were a lot of fun to listen to. Many of, the sa- many of the game shows you mentioned I enjoyed as well, so I'll skip that list. In regards to my favorite male vocalist, I have to say I never really get that deep into the music I listen to or choose the music based necessarily on who is singing. However, I can honestly say I won't be listening to much of Tiny Tim's music. I am more drawn to the words or message in the song or the music itself. That being said, there are a few male vocalists I enjoy hearing. On the very short, incomplete, in no particular order list would be Josh Groban, Mac Powell from Third Day, Don Henley, and Steve Perry from Journey. Not necessarily favorites per se, but guys whose songs I enjoy. Um, and if Aaron, if you want Bing's voice, I would love to have Josh Groban's singing voice. Anyway, hope you all have a great week. Tom. And then, P.S. from Tom. <laughs> uh, he yeah, says, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, I always like more. Um, so I also wanted to say I enjoyed the playlist Shannon created. I found a few good songs that I probably never would have listened to otherwise. I had to skip a few as they just weren't my thing. But overall, the songs I have heard, and I haven't made it all the way through, have been pretty good. Thanks, oh, Tom. Nice. Thank you. Honestly, I love that because I feel like that's that's one of the fun things about these playlists that we're making is, you know, even between us as siblings, like we all have our favorite stuff that, you know, maybe we like more than other people. Like, I think there's maybe what, like two country songs that made it on the list. Those definitely came from me. So <laughs> I, I actually did go in. We were just talking before we started recording. I might have added a few because yeah, Tom, no hard feelings. You haven't finished. It's a long playlist. We got out of hand. <laughs> and as I was going through, it was fun. Cause uh, I didn't really talk much about Elvis, but he was always one of my favorites when I was younger. Cause he and I share a birthday. Oh, and so yeah. I just sat and listened to Elvis for a solid like hour when I was making the playlist. And that made, 
made me think of our dad and granddad. And then that kind of also led me to thinking about Papa. And so I added some, yeah, like Merle Haggard and stuff to the playlist as well. <laughs> yeah. But I like that we can find stuff that even if, we, if we're like, oh, that's not necessarily my favorite. But you find something you like, right? Like, yeah. like Shannon, I know we've talked about the Eagles before. And, you know. <laughs> I have They're, nothing against the Eagles. It's I Hotel have everything California. against Hotel California. It's Hotel California specifically. <laughs> well, anyway, all I'm saying I is I apologize. Like, I did not include Hotel California on the playlist. That's okay. I'm, I should have done it, but one it, of these I days, One of these days we're probably going to do my favorite guitar solos or something along those lines, and it's it's going to be on that list for that's me. Anyway, fair. but the whole point of that is it, I, it's it's still fun that you can find something you like, even if you have, just have to sort through the stuff you don't. But it's we all have our different tastes, and I love it. So anyway, yeah. always good to hear from you, Tom. And then our last email is from Robert, another friend of the show, uh, husband of Catherine, <laughs> Robert. Anyway, we'll work on that. We'll workshop need, that. Yeah, need a title for you. Yes. <laughs> he says, hey, favorite show, since you can't hear me talking to you through the podcast app, I thought I'd write to you about my favorite male vocalists. <laughs> uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, but he says, uh, uh, Marvin Lee Aday. A day? Uh-oh, I'm already mispronouncing names. Uh, was born in Dallas, Texas. One of his first bands, Floating Circus, opened for The Who. After college, he performed in several Broadway musicals before getting a part in Rocky Horror Picture, Sh- Picture Show with Tim Curry. He has sold more than 65 million albums worldwide, won a Grammy, and been in multiple movies. I am, of course, talking about Meatloaf. <laughs> I, d- I did not know. That's <laughs> why. What is this trend of everybody just changing their names? Is, just, is it a music thing or just an artist thing? Like God. I don't know. Do movie people do that? I know actors will do that, but, like, is J.J. Abrams his actual name? Is Ron Howard, <laughs> is that his real name? I don't know. Everything is – I'm questioning everything now. Everything is a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next favorite uh, Next favorite is best known for creating Family Guy, American Dad, and The Orville. Seth MacFarlane has an amazing singing voice, both in and he out of character. Does. That's true. It's a good point. And he mentioned uh, MacFarlane was nominated for a Grammy for his 2011 album, Music is Better Than Words, and again for two more in 2017. Um, he has that old old timey crooner voice. He actually did uh, the theme song or the intro song to one of the Futurama movies, huh. and it, I didn't realize it was him until like years later. When I feel like I I can't remember it was I heard a Family Guy song or something. I was like, that sounds like the guy from the Futurama theme song or whatever. And sure enough, Seth MacFarlane. So yeah. <laughs> He says, lastly, I want a second Freddie Mercury and Weird Al. Uh, if you can find it, studio session with Christian Hand, Under Pressure, uh, breaks down the audio tracks from Under Pressure, and you can hear David Bowie and Freddie Mercury a cappella. Simply amazing. Wow. And what more can I say about Weird Al than you already did? Except for be sure to check him out live if you ever have the opportunity. Another friend of the show, Robert. Uh, P.S. I created a Rebus puzzle for you. Feel free to post on Instagram. I'm going to text it to you guys right now. And we're going to see if we can solve this thing together. Oh, no. Well, we're 0 for 1 so far. I know. <laughs> Robert, you just... You keep proving that you're smarter than us. <laughs> okay, I just texted it to you guys. So we've got, is that an F? Yeah, treble scale F, V, one. Favorite show. Favorite show. Ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> Favorite show. Thank yes, there you. we go. Very nice. We'll have to post this on Instagram. This is cool. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Robert, we got one of your puzzles. Hey. We've solved your puzzle. I got caught up on the E equals W. I was overthinking it. I was like, oh, is there like... Robert's so smart, man. This is pro- does this have to do math. like an energy yeah. equation or something. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, like, oh, I was too much too. E, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, but bef- that's all the emails. Before we move on, I did have a couple updates to our singers. There were a couple singers, a couple singers I forgot to mention. Uh, Roger Miller and a lot of people. He was he was a well known singer songwriter. I think most of us know him from Disney's Robin Hood. 
right? Robin Hood and Little John are running through the forest or whatever. That That's Roger Miller. He's great. Um, Burl Ives, which, again, very successful career, but I think most of us know him uh, know him from The Snowman, from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, stop-motion yeah. thing. <laughs> and then, of course, my favorite, one of my favorite singers of all time, I can't believe I didn't even mention him, Powerline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from, from the amazing uh, movie, That's A Goofy right. Movie. Um, actually, the, the singing voice was Tevin Campbell. And I remember as a kid... When I saw um, I saw a Goofy movie and I loved it, it was one of my favorite movies. And Powerline was so cool, and he was like he had this awesome voice. And so I went, I real I looked up who he was, and I went and got some Tevin Campbell albums, and I was uh, disappointed because that's not how the rest of his music sounds. Uh. <laughs> I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. This just wasn't my style. I was expecting more Powerline. So anyway, that's that's it for my updates. That's all I got. Shannon, what about you? I discovered a new favorite cereal. Ooh, yeah. um, Which is, I try to get all the different flavors of Cheerios that I can find, and it's banana caramel. What? Oh, I have not tried that. it's really good. And I've had their strawberry banana before, and yeah, banana caramel is incredible. Wow. That sounds good. Did you like the peanut butter chocolate? That's that's the one I liked. I did like that one. I think I like this banana caramel the best now, though. Oh wow! I know. It's, I'm gonna have it's to branch out. Right above blueberry for me. That was my favorite before that. That all sounds good. After the reunion, we had a bunch of leftover food from our our family reunion, and we ended up with like eleven boxes of cereal. But <laughs> <laughs> one of them is Waffle Crisp. I'm still slowly getting through that. Um, but there were two boxes of Cheerios, and one's just like plain Cheerios, and the other one is Honey Nut, and they're good, but they're not. What was? It? What did you say it was again? Something. Caramel? Banana caramel. Banana caramel. Man, that sounds the really plain good. ones you can donate to uh, Gracie and Eileen's rat. Oh, that's true. Yeah, or I can maybe feed the crows outside with there it or you something. Go. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. They might prefer one of the fancy Cheerios, and they'll remember you. They'll be like, "Oh, this guy went cheap on us." <laughs> I know the crows will only show up if I give them the good stuff. <laughs> Sean, did you have any updates? No, I I don't have any updates. I don't think. Sometimes I remember things after. I guess the only update is I. What episode was it? Summer. Was it summer? About how I never had to go to school on my birthday? No. What episode was that? I wasn't on it. Oh, yeah. I listened to oh, it later. Oh, we were talking about... It was with Kristen. Was it game shows? How did we get on that tangent? Oh, I don't remember now. How did... Guys, we're just all well, like sitting well, here trying anyway. to remember. None of us but, know. <laughs> but you were right. I only had to go to school on my birthday once during my K through twelve education, and I just about skipped. But I did go the one time, and now I am going to struggle to remember why we talked about that. But <laughs> so we can totally cut this update. If anybody can remember, but. please write us an email. Let us know. What it is we can't think of. <laughs> or if it's just been like in your brain, like, oh, man, they said that thing. I just need to know. Did John ever go to school on his birthday? <laughs> now, now you know. Now you know. Now you know. There you go. Well, I guess with all those updates and, and things that we're trying to remember out of the way, <laughs> we're going to get on with this week's topic, which is our favorite endangered and or extinct animals, which is kind of a weird thing to have a favorite of. Um, <laughs> but we have our... As I've mentioned, we have our spreadsheet, and we had our animal topic that we were due for this week, and we were looking through the list, and we had endangered animal on there just because it was an interesting topic. But it did feel weird to think, like, favorite animal that's really having a hard time right now. Well, <laughs> let's know? just – if we phrase it more positively, it's just these are our favorite animals 
that also happen to be having a hard time, go donate. There you <laughs> donate go. Donate some yes. money and have them yes. not so much a hard time. Unless yes. they're extinct, then learn about them and admire them. Yeah, in and maybe a way. and maybe that's a that's a, a kind of <laughs> undertone we can have through this whole episode as we're talking about these animals is is just remembering like. As humans, we are in kind of a unique unique position that we can actually make a difference, like actively change the world around us for better, right? Like regardless of whatever the reason is for some of these animals being endangered or going extinct or whatever, like we have the, we have the power to make a difference. So yeah, if you if you're able to, if you can look up some of these animals, donate to these conservation places, get involved, volunteer, do what you can. And we can make this world a better place. There you go. And now I'll get off my soapbox. We can talk about some cool animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And none of these are a favorite because of yeah. what they're going through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, we should make that very clear. You so, know what I'm um, glad is in danger? <laughs> Otherwise, no I'd be talking about mosquitoes again today. I'd be yeah, like, get them like, gone. Gotta, get those guys out of get here. Get them out of here. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I didn't actually know a lot other than at the zoo. I saw where there were animals that were like endangered and then animals, you know, information about animals that are extinct. Well, I should have known kind of looking stuff up that this, a lot of this has been formalized and one of the the largest and most well-respected organizations that actually keeps track of a lot of this is the International Union for Conservation of Nature and they maintain something called the red list have either of you ever heard of that I had heard of it uh, I remember like hearing about it when I had gone on trips to the zoo or aquariums or whatever and then yeah as I was doing my research for this episode it popped up in every article I saw this red list yeah, yeah. I heard about that an hour ago when I started googling <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know maybe at the zoo I don't know if I just read the parts that I thought were interesting or I just skimmed or what but like it did not ring a bell for me at all and in going through, they have um, about 140,000 species, which includes plants as well, that they consider to be well-documented, that they understand, and another, I think, 10,000 or something more that they have some documentation on. And what's crazy is they estimate that this is a pretty small percentage of the world's described species. I, I don't know what that wording means, described species. So it's almost like the species that were aware of in some way? I, I don't know. So I actually looked it up and estimates vary a lot on how many animal species even specifically there are in the world and um, like vary a ton. And so, but based on some studies in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so from the couple of the articles I saw, they estimate that there might be somewhere in the ballpark of around 9 million of which we have only documented 14%. Wow. Jeez. Which is pretty nuts. And and if you think about, yeah, I don't fully understand this number when they say 7% of described species, if it really is 7% of just even of the piece that we know. But anyway, that's kind of crazy to think about. Like sometimes the earth seems a lot smaller because you can travel and you can go around and you can look stuff up on the internet and and I can at the speed of light, you know, access some server across the world, but then realize that there's so much about the world that we <laughs> we just don't know, right? I mean, this is just animals, but there's just so much more to go. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. So, um, I know that we're talking about 
kind of two classifications. Well, this organization, they have animals, species that are not evaluated, data deficient, animals of least concern, kind of on the lowest end. They have near threatened, then vulnerable, then endangered, then critically endangered, then even extinct in the wild, and then what is considered fully extinct. And I thought it was pretty wild. Some of these critically endangered species where they went out and did like a survey, like there was this soft shelled turtle, for example, that they estimated that the population was like under 10, Wow! you know, like in the entire world. So anyway, they have a hard job cut out for them. Yeah. yeah. The Jeez. animal. So I don't have a ton of different animals, but I want to talk about one that is really interesting and that also is a little bit controversial. And that is the blobfish. The blobfish. Oh, what a guy. So the blobfish, if you haven't seen it, if you Google a picture, you've probably seen it in memes. It kind of looks like this, like chubby cartoon man um, (laughs) when you look at it. It really does. But I realized, at least according to this list, the IUCN red list, the blobfish is actually not evaluated. They don't have enough um, information about it yet. And so by one of the most well-known and well-respected groups it is not technically considered endangered although mm. that although it's actually could be endangered there's just not enough data to know interesting and part of the reason for that is they're very hard to study they live at about um 2 to 4000 feet deep in the ocean which ends up being like well over 100 times the pressure of water at the surface and what they have discovered from them is they actually do look different at their natural living environment um, and that being pulled up too quickly fishing for crabs, for example, that that actually ends up transforming into the kind of goofy picture you see. Oh, geez. I learned that really recently. And I think that's so fascinating that, yeah, this image that everybody has of a blobfish is not what they would look like in the wild. Yeah. That is crazy, yeah. I mean, they're a little bit goofy, and part of the reason they do transform is they're described in several sources by places who have studied them as gelatinous. <laughs> they have they have no teeth, no skeleton, and very, very little muscle. They basically just sit <laughs> on the bottom of the ocean. They're a blob. <laughs> they really like a blob. Are. And they were only discovered, I think, I didn't write it down, but I, oh, no, here it is, in 2003, right? So... We've known about these for fewer than 20 years, and and they're just these gelatinous guys that sit there, and stuff will come along, and then they'll kind of eat it, and then they just kind of hang out there, and um, they're really hard to see. They're super deep, and that's that's their life. That's what they do. Man, that's awesome. What a life. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> just like hang out, chill. So I, I don't know. So as I was going through, I started looking up information about tons of different animals. And the takeaway that I had, which is not super exciting for this week's episode, is that of these animals that either are potentially endangered or are actually endangered, oftentimes we know very little about them. And there are plenty of amazing animals that I know Shannon and Aaron are going to talk about that we do know about that are endangered or extinct and that we've studied. But I would just, as I kept going, instead of finding out more information about one, I just kept going down like other other rabbit holes and different <laughs> animals. And and even this list of 140,000 well-documented species is more focused on like forest animals and doesn't have a whole lot of stuff. But I don't know. There are just so many interesting animals. Like I even learned that there's a, a freshwater dolphin in the Amazon, like 
that I'd never heard of before, right? Or these these blue iguanas or these other species that live on tiny little islands and stuff or, you know, an endangered crane that doesn't really spread out all that far, like, you know, across North America from an east to west perspective, but then has this like migratory pattern to like clear up in Canada down to like the Gulf of Mexico. And so anyway, just lots and lots of interesting stuff. And I'll probably have to just think of jokes about everything you're talking about because I I probably wasn't that entertaining. (laughs) No, it was great. I will say that um, I work with my students every year to do animal reports. And it's really cool, actually, to help these students read all these different books and get really detailed. So you started talking about dolphins. That was one of the students who needed a lot of help last year was doing a dolphin report. Hmm. And I read so many cool dolphin facts. And <laughs> yeah, the the freshwater dolphin, I remember having my mind blown about that. So animals, man, they're cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, who has some actual... <laughs> Extinct or or, uh, or endangered animals to talk about. <laughs> well, I got a few. Should go I go for next? It. Okay, yeah. go for it. So, actually, two of the animals uh, that are on my list are just some of my favorite animals in general, and they just so happen to be uh, endangered. Uh, so, the first one I want to talk about is the African forest elephant. So, everybody, I, mo- I, sh- I immediately start with everybody. Most people know there are there are two types of elephants. There's the uh, like Asian, like Indian elephants that have the small ears. And then there are the African elephants that have the big ears. And I actually didn't realize until I was looking up some of this information that it's not just African elephants. There's there's different kinds. There's the uh, bush elephants or the ones that I think are the most well-known. Uh, and then the African forest elephant is a very similar but slightly smaller uh, sub species, I think. I, we get into the science stuff and I just get lost. So I don't know. I should have listened better in biology. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's native to the humid forests in West Africa and the Congo Basin. It is the smallest of the three living elephant species. So yeah, there, there is the, the uh, bush elephant and then the forest elephant and then there's the Asian uh, elephants, the uh, Indian elephants. They are amazing creatures. I think elephants already are just fascinating, amazing animals. They're so huge and they're so majestic. And they also have, because they're so gigantic, they have very few natural predators, almost none. Because, and their 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 defense is that they're huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they, like they, can, they can chase things off and they have their tusks, but their biggest defense is that they're just gigantic. Yeah. Elephants in general just are so cool, though. They are super cool. And reading about the uh, the uh, uh, forest elephants, their behaviors are very similar to the bush elephants. Um, and it's one of the things I love about elephants is is their social structure, right? They live in families. Um, when they are in their herds, it's typically a matriarchal society. Uh, the the grown females lead the herds. Um, the young ones are living with them until... Yeah, the females will stay with the herd, and then the males, as they reach sexual maturity, will leave. Sometimes they'll be in small groups of other males, but typically they end up kind of roaming the the the, the plains by themselves. And uh, they're very solitary animals, and, and that's just how they are. That's not, you know, it's not that sad. <laughs> it's not. It'd be sad if I had to be lonely animal in the wilderness, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's what I'm a human, so it's different. Um, but I love I love the familial ties of elephants. And I love, you know, the saying that elephants never forget. Elephants are so intelligent. Um, they, they 
know each other so well, and not just other elephants, they know specific other animals and humans, specific people that they will remember for decades after they've they've encountered somebody. But the the biggest threat to these elephants right now is loss of habitat, the deforestation and development and human conflict. And uh, they, I just think they're such beautiful, majestic creatures. And and also, I thought this was really interesting. So. As as gigantic as they are, they're herbivore, herbivores. Herbivores? Herbivores? What's what do you do with the H on that that word? It's weird. Say. I thought you'd just ignore it. Yep. They just He's eat not plants. Even there. They just eat plants. There we <laughs> <Yes>. go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but I also thought it was interesting. Uh they, Is vegan the word you're looking for? They <laughs> are vegan. There you go. Oh, okay. Yes. So they eat uh leaves and brush and bark and it said something like it's been documented like 72 – oh, here it is. Uh, according to Wikipedia, our favorite place, uh, at least 72 different kinds of fruit um, that they eat. And it's mentioned here that the seeds that pass through an elephant germinate faster. And African elephants – African forest elephants are one of the most effective seed dispersers in the tropics and have been refer- wow. referred to as mega gardeners of the forest due to its significant role in maintaining plant diversity. And who would have guessed? I mean, obviously, we all are like, oh, the bees, you know, we got to save the bees because pollinating. But, like, these gigantic elephants are, like, largely responsible for keeping this, like, ecosystem in balance. That's really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. These big, these big roaming manure planting machines <laughs> helping out the, the world. I know, right? It's, I love it. Anyway, I just think elephants are amazing. That, that's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Shall I keep going or do you want to go take a turn, Shannon? Oh, go for it. Okay, next one on my list is one of my favorite animals of all time, which is the pangolin. Do you guys know what a pangolin is? They're so cute. Oh, my goodness. They look like they don't want to interrupt you in a conversation. <laughs> oh, excuse <laughs> yes. excuse me. Sorry. I just, um. I know they look me. like they're the most polite little, little tiny gentleman. <laughs> what is that? Okay, Sean, I'm sending you the uh, Wikipedia page so you can look at some pictures. Okay. So, pangolins are very interesting. They actually are the number one most trafficked mammal in the world. I think they're fantastic little animals, though. They're they're often called scaly anteaters. They live typically – there are a few different kinds of them. Uh, some that live – there are four species in Asia and two that are found in um, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, they range in size between 12 and 39 inches, and there are a few uh, extinct species of them that we know of as well. Uh, but the ones that are still with us – they are covered in scales. So they have they have these large protective keratin scales. So it's a similar material to what like your fingernails and toenails are made of. Um, super thick scales that cover their skin. And they're the only mammals that have this feature. You know, maybe you think of like an armadillo or something like that uh, that have a hard it's, – it's a similar thing, but it's like a uh, – like a, a whole big covering, right? Almost like a more – like more akin to like a turtle shell in shape. Uh, but pangolins have these scales, which is really interesting, um, and it makes them super, super tough. So their main source of food is ants and termites. Um, so they're very similar to anteaters in, in in diet and the way that they eat and the way that they forage. They've got these really strong claws. They tend to walk on their back feet with their long tail behind them and their front arms curled up in front of them, kind of like the uh, what's what's the the names of the guys from the Dark Crystal? Those like the, that like <laughs> waddle along, but but nice. They're very nice ones. Anyway, um, but because of these scales on them, they're super strong. Like in, if if you scroll through the Wikipedia page, you can find a picture of one that's all curled up and two lions are trying to get at it. Wow. <laughs> and it just like curls up into like a little ball and 
that's it evades its prey. Like it, the lions, they, they bat it around for a bit and they give up and leave it alone. So I just think they're they're so fascinating. The it's it's such an interesting animal. It almost doesn't look real, right? It looks it looks like it should be in like a D and D campaign, right? <laughs> but yeah. wow. Yeah, are you sure this isn't a Pokemon of some kind? It kind of seems <laughs> it like, look a, like that. Yeah, kind of a rock type Pokemon that does its like defend thing during a battle. And with those claws, he's probably a Sand Slash. They're so cool. They're even good swimmers. The article says, "Who wow. knew?" But um, the the sad thing for for uh, for pangolins is that they are often hunted uh, because people believe that the the meat and the scales have medicinal properties. And as far as scientific research has gone, there isn't really any proof of that. Um, but a lot of societies kind of have this this tradition or this belief that, you know, like uh, ground scales or the meat or whatever can, can heal or has these healing properties. And so that's why they are poached so much. Uh, and that's the, the primary reason why they are on the uh, endangered list. They're on the red list. Um, is is almost entirely due to poaching. Um, Stinking poachers. I know, it, it's enraging. I mean, look at these little guys. They're so cute and little, and, like, there's no proof that they have any sort of special healing anything. And anyway, it's it really, it, it's a bummer. It, it makes me sad thinking of, of, of that. But because they are uh, the most trafficked and the most poached animal on Earth, uh, or mammal at least on Earth, uh, there are lots of protections in place. There are a lot of places in Africa that have protections set up for elephants and, and rhinos and some of those things. They uh, also are patrolling and trying to protect the pangolins as well. Uh, you know, a lot of times these these teams that are anti-poacher teams that are trying to you know fight back, they're they're including pangolins in their in their their work as oh, well. And I'm glad to hear that. And uh, anyway, so fingers crossed that. We as humans can figure this out and and give them a break because they're they're really great little guys and I think they just they just they deserve to live. Leave them alone. Yeah, it looks like some of them <laughs> even are critic critically endangered. So hopefully, yeah. yeah, they can they can bounce back with yeah. some with a little help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had a few others on my list. Should I just keep going? Sure. These are great. Yeah. Let's talk about the red panda. Yeah. So red pandas, I only knew about them from YouTube videos of them being really adorable when they're trying to be intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, just recently, uh, Pixar came out with their movie Turning Red, which features a uh, a lot of red panda stuff in it. Um, of course, in that movie, they're giant. And in real life, they're not that giant. So... Um, red pandas are uh, native to basically China. They they live in 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 Asia, um, um, eastern Himalayas, and southwestern China, according to to Wikipedia. So they're not very big. Um, this says uh, head head to body length is twenty five ish inches. So they're just little guys. Uh, well adapted to climbing due to flexible joints and semi retractable claws, they actually are very similar in in look to like a, a a raccoon as far as the the way that they move, the way they use their little hands, and the climbing and all that stuff. Uh, looking at, at Wikipedia, it actually says red panda's place on the evolutionary tree has been debated, but modern genetic evidence places it in close affinity with raccoons, weasels, and skunks. It is not closely related to the giant panda, which is a bear, though both. 
possess elongated wrist bones and false thumbs used for grasping bamboo. So Ah. I just – my favorite thing about red pandas is that (laughs) when they they are intimidated or when something is scaring them, their defense mechanism, their main defense mechanism is that they stand up really tall and raise their arms to try and look big. But the problem is they're just itty bitty, and so they look like they just want a hug. <laughs> and if you, maybe we can put it on Instagram, but look up some videos of red pandas trying to be intimidating. They just look extra cute. <laughs> yes. Don't understand. It's just adorable. Well, um, something so fun about red pandas is we've talked about Avatar: The Last Airbender so many times on this show, and how they don't have like real animals. They have like flying lemurs and turtle ducks. But in The Legend mm-hmm. of Korra, there's just a red panda. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there's like the polar bear dog and whatever. But red pandas are cute enough. They don't need to do any animal mashups with that one. <laughs> yep. They just do That's their awesome. own thing. I did learn as, as I was looking up some inf- information about them, their, their secondary defense mechanism, if they're being adorable, does not scare things off, is they actually do have a scent gland like a skunk that they can spray, and it smells real bad. Huh. And I never even I never even knew that. I just knew they were adorable. Um, but yeah, so that's the red panda. They are endangered uh, primarily by uh, destruction of habitat, and uh, which is just from... Increasing human population and deforestation, human expansion, human interaction, and loss of habitat is what's made them endangered. The good news for red pandas is that they and, and it's it's unfortunate that this is the case, but the 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 cute animals get more attention than the just whatever animals. But the red pandas do have that going for them that they are adorable and there is some amount of tradition behind it as well, you know, similar with the uh, giant panda in in Chinese culture and whatnot. So the red panda does have that going for it. So it's on the endangered list. The outlook at this point does look promising that it will be able to bounce back and make a recovery. But yeah, just again, that human interaction is what's uh, causing them to decline. Sad. But they're so cute. They are so cute. They're just adorable little little dudes. <laughs> and they're just, <laughs> they just, yeah. they just Sean, you just said this. <laughs> they just look like they want a little hug. <laughs> like, pick uh-huh. me up, Daddy. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Well, they almost look like their dimensions are almost like a toddler. Like you know how babies have like a a big torso and head and their hands can't even reach the top of their head. Yeah. Like when it's standing yeah. up, yeah. it's like it can like barely reach its little paws. It's true. Like up to its, its, its the side of its head. It's so. true, yeah. They're oh just, my goodness. Just little guys. Um, I do have a couple others on my list. Uh, lest we think that this is a problem that happens elsewhere in the world, I did want to make sure and look up specifically uh, a few endangered animals that are here in North America. Um, the number one on my list uh, is one that actually Robert wrote in and talked about in an email once upon a time, which was the California condor. And I can't remember, Sean, you might have mentioned it too because we were talking about birds and their giant long, giant wingspans. California condors have a huge wingspan of 9.8 feet. Ooh, wow. The widest of any North American bird, uh, weighs up to 26 pounds, is equal as the heaviest among the native North American bird species. So it's a big guy. Um, condors have, and they are uh, actually a fairly well-known story, but in case you don't know, condor uh, numbers were plummeting dramatically in the 20th century, uh, mostly due to agricultural chemicals like DDT. Um, There was poaching and habitat destruction. 
Um, a conservation plan was put in place by the United States government, uh, which led to the capture of all remaining wild condors by 1987, the total of which was 27. Oh, wow. Like you were mentioning, Sean, these crazy wow. low numbers. They were down to 27 total condors, and they just went and got them all. They were like, all right, this is all the condors that exist. Get them in here. And they brought them all in. They were taken to San Diego Wildlife, or Wild Animal Park and the Los Angeles Zoo. Um, they were bred in captivity. And then beginning in 1991, condors were reintroduced into the wild. Um, since then, the population has grown. Uh, California condor remains one of the world's rarest bird species because of its uh, extreme endangerment. Um, as of December 2020, there were 504 California condors living wild or in captivity. So that's that's a lot better than 27. But yeah, still, yeah. we're still talking 500 total birds of of these condors. That's crazy. So they uh, they live in the the southwest United States. They're native to California, obviously. Um, a lot of the ones that have been reintroduced to the wild are living in the Grand Canyon in Arizona um, and in uh, national parks in Utah, actually, is where they've been reintroduced. Oh, Zion's National Park. Hmm. Uh, been reintroduced to Zion's National Park in southern Utah. And they're doing well. They're They're surviving out there, and they're still... Definitely being watched on or watched over very, very carefully, and the captive breeding programs are still happening. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed, man, because that's boy, you just it's just crazy to me to think of such a low number of like 27 total were left. And it, it does make me happy to know that people cared enough to do something before they were gone because that's pretty close. That's cutting it real dang close. Yeah, that's really close. And, and yeah, the efforts are still going on. It actually, I, I don't know why I didn't connect the dots. Like I was prepping for this episode, but I remember glancing in the, the news this morning, kind of just catching up on things. And I saw some articles about some condors, California condors being released in Northern California, actually to a region where, according to this article, they hadn't really lived in more than a hundred years, so whatever documentation oh, wow. they had of them and stuff, so wow. still a continued effort. Yeah, I'm. It's still going, and I'm glad to hear it. Um, the last one that's on the endangered uh, list here, and I, I, I realize as I'm going down my list, I'm kind of gradually going from uh, endangered to more endangered to most endangered. Uh, the last one I want to talk about that I just learned about today, but is related to one of my favorite bugs, is Franklin's bumblebee. So already, even before it was it was endangered, Franklin's bumblebee is known to be one of the most narrowly distributed bumblebee species in the world. Um, it is only known to live in a 190 by 70 mile corridor in southern Oregon and northern California between the coast and Sierra Cascade Mountains. Holy smokes. So it's, it's in this tiny little area. It has been in decline uh, because of the introduction of diseases from bees that were brought from other places to help with pollination. Um, spread disease that these Franklin's bumblebees were susceptible to. And the last one, or they were last ever seen in 2006. So it's not confirmed that they're extinct, but nobody's seen one since 2006. And it just makes me sad. I know it's just, it, you know, it's a bumblebee and bumblebees are little cute little guys, but I don't know. Like it makes, it makes me think like, I just have my fingers crossed that they're still out there somewhere. And scientists do hope that if it's able to survive, if there are some amount of these bumblebees that are able to survive um, this this bee disease or whatever that's been taking them out, that they odds are they'll make a recovery if they can survive. But it's just wild to me that, like, nobody's, nobody's seen one since 2006, and we just don't know. And there are studies being wow. mounted to try and ascertain uh, their status and find out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, just crazy to me. 
and then jumping on from critically endangered to extinct. The, the, the two that I wanted to talk about actually are mostly favorites because they're so adorable. I have a theme here. I like cute things. <laughs> um, the woolly mammoth and the woolly rhinoceros. Did you know that was a thing? Yes. What? So I recently read a book actually about uh, about the American buffalo and its whole saga of becoming very endangered and almost going extinct after being, you know, plentiful in the millions uh, here. But it was talking about how they kind of endured through so much and their ancestors through the Ice Age. And then that got me looking at things about the Ice Age and how there were so many really cool giant animals that were especially in 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 North America and, and in Asia as well. But during the Ice Age, there were some really cool animals that existed, the giant sloth and like all these different things. But I always have thought that the woolly mammoth is such an interesting and cool animal because we've already talked about how much I love elephants. And now picture one that's covered in fluffy hair. <laughs> Just a, yes. a big snuffle up, I guess, right? <laughs> so, um, and so then as I was looking up again, woolly mammoth, I was like, hey, woolly rhinoceros. And same thing. There was a rhinoceros that it, I'm looking at the, you know, ideas, pictures. These, these are animals that have been found in the permafrost. So we actually do know a fair amount about them. Um, they have, didn't go extinct until, you know, a few thousand years ago, which in the, in the big scheme of things is not very long ago. Um, in fact, there's, there's estimates that woolly mammoths even existed in certain places up until as recently as, um, three or 4,000 BC. Wow. I didn't know it was that recent. That's crazy. Which is again, it's not like we, it's not like we just missed the exhibit at the zoo, but like, you know. That's pretty recent. And and by the way, I specifically did not include any dinosaurs on my list because we're going to do a dinosaur-specific episode at some point. But no, I just think it, I just think they're, it's, it's so cool to see not only the skeletons, but also these full specimens that have been found uh, frozen, uh, you know, frozen specimens that have been recovered. And we can learn so much about them. And not only, not only that, that we can find the, the, the frozen remains, but also artwork that is in early human... Uh, like cave artwork, pre, uh, you know these 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 early human paintings that depict them ex- coexisting with woolly mammoths. I love that. It's so cool. There is there is scientific uh, evidence that we could potentially clone and re remake uh, a woolly mammoth. Ah, it hasn't yeah. happened yet. There's more <laughs> stuff that needs to happen, and I imagine it's. It's probably hecka expensive, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see people go to Mars. I'm excited to see, you know, like the, the human uh, AI interactions and stuff. But I think I would love most of all to just see a woolly mammoth come back. Wouldn't that be crazy? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't mess see, with it, though. And that's the park I can get behind. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't. But, like, instead of bringing back dinosaurs that will eat me. <laughs> yeah. Furry elephants sounds like a safer answer. Like, could they kill me? Oh, absolutely. But, like, they seem a little safer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. They wouldn't want to eat you, at least, yeah. as far as we can tell. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's my list. That's all the ones I wanted to talk about. Sorry, I went on for a long time. Oh, no worries. I, uh, not, no, not too long at all. Um, I realized, because you were saying, Aaron, that your theme is that all your animals are cute. I didn't realize until I have all my tabs together, mine are all aquatic. Oh, <laughs> so, cool. There you go. There you go. I love the ocean, and I have a fascination about what is in the ocean and what has been in the ocean. Um, so just getting through my tabs um, is 
the blue whale, which is endangered. And and possibly the largest animal that has ever lived. According to the World Wildlife website, it is the largest animal on the planet, weighing as much as 200 tons or approximately 33 elephants. For all of us Americans that are bad at the metric system, <laughs> that's, that's right, about 33 yeah. elephants. <laughs> because we all know how much an elephant weighs. Oh, yeah. We just know, oh, yeah, oh that's, that's much big. More clear. Has the heart, <laughs> a heart the size of a Volkswagen Beetle? They are the loudest animals on Earth, louder even than a jet engine. Their calls can reach 188 decibels, while a jet can get to about 140. I never knew that. That's crazy. Now, did I hear it wrong, though? Not just the largest animal on Earth today, but the largest animal that we can tell that has ever lived on the Earth. Yes, I think so. And yeah, they can reach lengths of 100 feet. Just ginormous, very cool animals. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with whale calls. They both, like, terrify me and creep me out and are also, like, (laughs) hauntingly beautiful. But, yes, they estimate that there are between 10 and 25,000 on the Earth. In a big old ocean, uh, all the oceans of the Earth. I I guess that's not too many. Jumping then to an extinct animal that loved to eat whales (laughs) is the Megalodon. Well... Dang. <laughs> Ooh, creepy. He's gone, so it's fine. The whales are not in danger of him as anymore. We know. As far as we know, that's the truth. Um <laughs> He's down there hanging out with the Kraken right now. <laughs> oh dear. Well, Please no. That's why the ocean just scares me too much because it's too mysterious. Yes, yes. Well, and it's the thing that we we kind of had hit on that, you know, we're not doing dinosaurs. But a megalodon's not actually a dinosaur, so it's fine. True. Um, but they were also very, very big. Not the same size as the blue whale. Um, but they could get to be, um, according to our most current estimate, about 66 feet long. And Dang. when people picture them... That's too long. Oh, yeah. They picture them as a giant great white shark. Which they are actually not related to. People once thought that they were related, and now they've kind of realized that they have a different family group, which I'm not going to try to pronounce. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but uh, they that's kind of the interesting thing about them is because their body is mostly cartilage, we don't have a great idea of what they looked like. All we have to go off of is their jaw, teeth, and uh, spine, essentially. They're just, they're just big and teethy. Oh, yeah. They're big, teethy, scary, and, like, the big competitor um, for them in the oceans back in the day were, like, giant sperm whales, which are the scary version of whales that have sharp teeth. (laughs) And listen, I know sharks are not the enemy. We've talked about this, right? Sharks are sharks. They're fine. Um, But also, they just... I, I'm scared of Megalodon. Yeah, no, sharks are not the enemy, but maybe Megalodons were. <laughs> maybe, maybe Megalodon was. <laughs> but yeah, okay, well, I'm, I'm, he can hang out down with the Kraken and just, <laughs> there you go. just chill down there. It's all good. Well, and here's a fun, scary fact for you that you might not want to know. Oh, um, no. I was reading recently about giant squids because we did a D&D campaign with a Kraken. So I was doing some research and they are finding to this day massive whales that have like tentacle scarring on them. Yeah. That if they measure this, it has to just be from a gigantic squid. 
So they're down there somewhere, and I don't want to see them, but I would like someone else to see them and tell me about them. Oh, no. Anyway, that's all. He's not endangered that we know of. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. He endangers other people. (laughs) Yes. Um, Keeping on with, quote, unquote, whales and actually, quote, sharks, let's talk about the whale shark, which is not a whale, but is a shark. Um, so cool. <laughs> it's he, a confusing name. Yeah. <laughs> it, this one is endangered. It weighs about 11 tons and gets to be about 40 feet long, but it can open its mouth like just over five feet, which is very close to me. <laughs> he, he can open his mouth as, as big as me, which kind of freaks me out. But they are gentle giants. They don't like they are filter feeders. Um, so they'll eat like plankton and krill and stuff like that. They have that beautiful like spotting on them, which I didn't realize is actually similar to like human fingerprints, that the spots that they have are unique to each shark. And that is how people or people, I mean, I guess, but it's how scientists can identify them. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that either. I'm learning all kinds of things. I know. The more you know. <laughs> Another... I don't know if he counts. He is considered vulnerable in the conservation status is another ocean giant, the ocean sunfish, which is such a weird looking fish. I know those from Animal Crossing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing until Animal Crossing. And I was like, whoa, what's this weird guy? Yeah. I looked him up online. They are so super weird and like they swim in a strange way and they will like bask up at the top of the ocean and just be this giant weird sea monster laying on its side at the top of the ocean. (laughs) And it has these weird like teeth that are like fused into a beak, kind of like a squid if you think of like a kraken and stuff. And so it's just, it's a weird looking thing and it's only vulnerable in the whole threatened conservation status, which is good. Let's move him back to the least concerned side rather than the extinct side. But they're an interesting fish because they're not, people don't commonly see them because you, because of their huge size, you can't really keep them in an aquarium, both due to like, you need a big tank But also, um, because of their huge body, they're awkward and don't really, like, they don't have good control over their movement. So they take big, (laughs) wide turns. And often, like, when we used to have them in captivity more so, they would rub up against the side of the tank when they'd try to turn and that would hurt them. Oh, no. So there's only a few that are in captivity, um, and I think most of them are in Japan, actually, where they do have these massive tanks that like there's an aquarium that has a sunfish and a whale shark and I don't remember what else but it seems like a very cool aquarium and from what I can tell they're a pretty good aquarium so I think they're taking appropriate precautions but Hmm. very interesting like Sean was saying an animal that we don't have a lot of information about but is considered endangered is an axolotl oh yeah which, I never know if I'm saying it right. I have no idea. It's like you're speaking a different <laughs> language. <laughs> it's one that it's almost like a blobfish. I learned about the axolotl because of memes. He's got a weird face to him. And I actually did a lot of research about him this week because I'm preparing to go back for the upcoming school year. 
And our local pet shop has axolotls, and I was thinking of getting one for a class pet. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> that would be so cool. But they are endangered because in the wild, they only live in Mexico in a couple of freshwater lakes and in rivers. And these rivers are starting to dry up. And some of the lakes that they were native to have been drained for agricultural and just home purposes that people are building out there. Which is so sad because you hate to see things dying because of people. We can do better. But they, back to the fact that they're cute, they look so cute (laughs) um, because, oh, I got to find the word that I learned. They are neotenic, which means that they keep their juvenile characteristics into adulthood. So, like, if you think about the awkward adolescent frog that is, like, half tadpole, still has its tail, and is frog and has their little legs, that's what's happening with this axolotl, is it's a kind of salamander, and it gets these stubby little legs, but they don't, like, grow to maturity of what a regular salamander's legs probably would look like. And they keep their frilly gills on the side of their head rather than reabsorbing them because that's what they would look like as a baby. So, hmm, interesting. So, once in captivity, they breed just fine, and there's a lot we can tell from that. But as far as them in the wild, they are very much endangered because, like I said, there's only like two or three lakes that they currently live in because the rest of their habitat has effectively been destroyed. Man, that's sad. I know. And my last kind of honorable mention is the trilobite, Mm. which is a marine arthropod that is extinct. And he's super old. They died out about 252 million years ago. And they were among the most successful of all early animals, according to Wikipedia, Um, which they base off of the fact that they existed in oceans for almost 270 million years with about 20,000 subspecies that have been discovered. That was a long time. It's a lot better than than we're on track for as humans. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yes. So, I mean, they're weird little bugs for sure, but they gain an honorable mention for me because we have a lot of trilobite fossils um, there's a place that we've gone to dig, uh, shout out to you dig fossils in Delta, Utah, um, <laughs> which is where Alex is from. And we have gone there a handful of times, both with Alex's family and with our family. And it's really cool. Cause you go out there and you just find them all over the ground and you can go and actually shovel and dig out in the mountainside and you can find really big ones. And there's just tons of casings and the fossils themselves. And those are fond memories of mine. So They're a cool little extinct fossil that brings me joy. (laughs) Nice. I like it. And that's that's it for me. I mean, my honorable mentions were mostly hit on with red pandas, uh, woolly mammoths. Speaking of Animal Crossing, those dodos. Actual (laughs) real-life dodo birds are kind of creepy, but the ones in Animal Crossing are cute. Yeah, those guys are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With all your sea life, I was surprised you didn't bring up the uh, vaquita. Have you heard of those? You know what those are? That's like the dolphin, right? Yeah. It's funny. The name actually literally means little cow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's not a cow. Sea cows are cute. Are they endangered? Are they? I can't remember now if, if, oh, sea cows, what do you call them? Manatees. Manatees. That's right. (laughs) I can't remember if those are still endangered or not. I think they used to be. I don't know now, actually. That's a good question. 
Yeah, vaquitas Sorry, are, are like a, a small, they're, they're a porpoise family, but their problem, or not their problem, the problem that we even <laughs> in, bestowed upon them uh, is that they have such a small, such a small habitat. They only live up in the top of the like Baja California Peninsula, you know, that the, the Baja California Peninsula, the strip of water between that and Mexico, they only live right up at the top of that. And so because people are overfishing that area, they get caught in the nets and it's just plummeting their their uh, their population. In fact, on Wikipedia, it says, according to um, a 2018 survey, it was estimated. Well, so here's so in in 1997, it was estimated that there were 567 left in 2007. It was estimated to be about 150. In 2018, it was estimated to be less than 19. Ooh. And as of this year, uh, February of this year, uh, it's estimated to be less than 10 that are left. <gasps> wow, oh my sad. Goodness. So we gotta we gotta get going on that. We gotta get those guys back. So but they're just they look like little little dolphins. They're just little guys. So yeah. maybe about half the size of a human. So anyway, yeah. we we gotta get those guys back for sure. Manatees, I just looked it up, are considered vulnerable. By the International Union for Conservati- Conservation of Nature. Mm, okay. So. Well, I hope this wasn't too bummer of an episode. <laughs> we- Let's look, at, look at pictures of all these cute animals. <laughs> Donate money or be conscious about your actions. There you go. Yeah. Positive absolutely. note. Yeah. Use, use what we have said to, to have something <laughs> positive, you know, in, your, in yourself or in your, in your awareness of other things and... Uh, let it be. Let it be good. Let it be good. <laughs> yeah, well, you talked about some some great animals today. So yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Well, and this is probably a good spot to wrap it up. But of course, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite animals that are uh, on the uh, endangered list. We want to hear all about the ones that you know about. Um, we would love to hear some great stories if you know of ones that are you know, being protected and uh, efforts are being successful to help protect them. Uh, we'd love to hear all about it. Uh, also, let us know if you have suggestions for, for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't give us a five-star rating, we may be on the endangered podcast list. No. <laughs> oh, no. You know, to help us help us not be an extinct podcast. Give us five stars. There you go. <laughs> Donate your stars. <laughs> Donate your and stars. We're gonna, we're gonna have a commercial with some real sad music and our sad faces looking oh, up. Oh no. <laughs> For only five stars, you can save a podcast. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> now I'm gonna cry about it. Oh, let's get out of here. All right. Until next week, my name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Talk to you later. Bye. Hear the music. I was like, oh man, this is like heavy stuff. And then it's like, what, what, what are you going to do? Not talk about it? Like, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That if, if we don't talk about it, I feel like that's worse. Just right? pretending like, like it doesn't, it isn't there or the, that's yeah. That's exactly what Alex was saying going into it. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm mostly going to just do like the extinct ones. Cause I, I was going to look up the endangered ones, but that's going to make me sad. And he's like, yeah, but you can't just not talk about it. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good point. The more we talk about it, hopefully the more that leads to some action and, and, 
good stuff happening to help protect them. Yeah, I do feel bad sure. that all the ones I talked about were cute. I guess you just brought up the blobfish. So <laughs> he's yeah, pretty ugly, true. and we gotta we gotta <laughs> protect him ugly. too. Voted ugliest <laughs> animal by some competition or whatever. Ugly animals deserve to live too. <laughs>